Welcome to the Strange on Purpose podcast. Today, I had an amazing, amazing story. A story of resilience, a story of uh, two people coming together in the midst of a pandemic and um, creating some magic. And I'm very excited to really get into it with you guys. So um, before we actually hit the episode, but I need to give a shout out to uh, Yellow Brick for helping us on the entire project that is Strange on Purpose. Huge shout out if you follow me on Instagram or the podcast on Instagram uh, at Strange on Purpose. Um, huge shout out to Rug Princess for the new rug for the studio um, and super excited for what's next to come. Uh, I will be starting to drop episodes up for the next season starting on April 1st and I'm just super, super excited. So uh, without further ado, let's get into the episode. Welcome to the Strange on Purpose podcast. Today you have Izzy, your host, and I'm super excited to finally have this season finale. Um, obviously wanted to have a ton of more guests on for this season and everything like that, but I'm, I'm really excited to kind of sit down with the two individuals I have on today because they're working on stuff and st- they're working on things that are really impacting the industry. And it's, it's something I'm really excited for. So I'm very excited to have on Kenneth and Jared from Sneaker Law. Thanks for jumping on with me today, guys. What's good, man? Glad to be here. Thanks, Izzy. I'm super excited, uh, like I said, to, to have you on. You both have such similar backgrounds, but also such different backgrounds at the same time. Um, I want to dive into that and also get into, obviously, Sneaker Law and, and how you're you're really showing people like, little 15 year old Izzy that uh, you can learn things in different ways. And I'm super excited. So um, for anybody who is listening, uh, do either you or both of you want to take take the stage and, and talk about who you are, what you do and what sneaker law? Sounds good, man. So, so, you know, just some quick background about myself. You know, I grew up a, a, a sneaker head um, since the age of seven or eight. I had all types of kicks when I was growing up and when my parents got my my first pair of Jordans, that's when I really uh, lost my mind when it came to sneakers. <laughs> you know, I was I was toothbrushing them every day, and I had the Grape Fives. So, uh, you know, not to date myself too much, but I go way back. Um, so yeah, so I went to uh, uh, you know I went to college at Virginia Tech, and when I graduated, I wanted to um, be a hip hop producer, and I was working in the in the game for a minute and, and I had some mild success, but I was so frustrated with how grimy the game was. And, uh, I realized that, you know, just because of my background and passions and, um, you know, my quest for, for being able to help creatives that going to law school would be a good idea. So I went to law school, I went to Brooklyn law school and, um, you know, after I graduated, I started working at law firms and, um, working my way up the legal ladder, so to speak, and got some good, good clients along the way. I had my own law firm for a little while. And, um, you know, from there, um, I managed to expand my practice to the West coast and, um, you know, just kept developing clients in the fashion and sneaker space, but I wasn't getting enough of, uh, some background for, for what I wanted to do the most, which was sneakers all the time, really, you know, to be quite honest. Um, and, uh, you know, fortunately some things came together where I was reached out to by a former client and, uh, he asked me if I was interested in, in helping him um, helping him work on a deal for for Kanye West and Yeezy, and so I helped him with that. And then one thing led to another, and uh, I found myself landed there as the uh, 
as the uh, general counsel and head of business development for Yeezy and worked there for a couple of years. And, you know, just that's when my passion really aligned with my uh, with my career. And so from there was takeoff, really. I'll pass it over to Jared to kind of finish up the narrative before we talk about how we got together. Yeah, definitely. So for me, similar to Kenneth, um, you know, I grew up loving sneakers. I was always ingrained in the hip hop, streetwear and sneaker culture. Um, I remember in the third grade, I heard Air Force Ones by Nelly for the first time, and it was a wrap. You know, I had to cop a pair, and then it turned into two, three, four pairs um, until my mom said, oh, you got to get your own get your own pairs, get your own job. I'm not buying you any more sneakers. <laughs> so, um, you know, and, and my love for sneakers really progressed through my childhood into my adulthood. Um, you know, I actually had my own reselling business in college. Um, I went to the University of Central Florida. And a lot of my friends hated me because I was working out of my college dorm and they were working crazy jobs, you know, delivering pizzas and stuff. And, you know, I was uh, firing up my computer, you know, going back to sleep afterwards. But it was really dope because I got to get experience on the business side of the game as opposed to just being a consumer. Um, and then, you know, I went to law school, Brooklyn Law, like Kenneth. And um, when I got there, I wanted to pursue my love for sneakers in some way. But I knew I really had to pave my own lane because there wasn't really anything that existed out there in terms of, you know, sneakers in the legal space outside of being a lawyer for you know, a sneaker company, which is really hard to do, you know, especially when you're fresh out of law school after graduating. There wasn't really anything out there. So I was fortunate enough to make Law Review. And for those of you who aren't familiar with Law Review, it's a scholarly journal for a law schools and it's a really prestigious thing. And in order to, to, to join Law Review, you have to either, you know, have one of the top, you know, GPAs in the school, which I didn't have, or win a, you, or, you know, there's a writing competition and you had to get on that way. So I was fortunate enough to make it on the writing competition. And um, as a part of your first year on Law Review, you have to write a note, um, which is kind of like a thesis. And um, I obviously wrote about sneakers. You know, I wrote about the lack of legal protection for sneaker designs, which was never done before. And um, I thought it was dope. It was about 40 pages worth of straight, you know, sneaker legal content. But the executive review board, I guess they weren't sneaker heads. They didn't like it. So they didn't choose my article to be published. Um, but I really took that in stride. And shortly after, I, I landed my dream internship at Complex. I mean, you know, as a kid, I would read Complex magazine. And uh, to get that internship, it was the most incredible thing in the world. You know, um, I was able to rock my sneakers to work. Uh, well, you know, all my other friends were in suits. Um, so that was a really cool thing. And when I got there, outside of my, you know, duties as an intern, one day I thought, hey, why don't I try to get Complex to publish my law review note? Maybe I can use them as a medium. So one day I went out on a whim and pitched my note idea uh, to Matt Welty, who was his head sneakers editor at the time. Uh, shout out to Matt and the whole Complex fam. And um, he ended up loving it and gave me the green light and pretty much said to condense my 40 plus page law review note to a thousand words. So <laughs> I spent a couple all nighters, but it ended up turning out really great. And um, I went on to write two more legal articles about the sneaker industry at Complex. And, um, you know, the feedback was, that I got was really awesome and people were, were reaching out from all over. But one person hit me up on LinkedIn and his name was Kenneth Anand. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, you know, at the time he was a big law, big partner at a law firm and I was just a student you know, still in school and I was an intern. I remember bragging to my friends like, yo, this big law partner hit me up. This is crazy. You know, he wants to meet, meet, meet me and go out to lunch. 
So we linked up and um, we just hit it off, like talking sneakers for a few hours, you know. And he was like the coolest lawyer I ever met. He was like, you know, that, that's how I wanted to be when I graduated. So, um, you know, like I said, we really hit it off and um, we started brainstorming some ways we can work together. And uh, one day we came up with an idea to, you know, maybe collab on some legal articles about sneakers and get them in some law, law journals or something, you know, stuff like that. Um, then some time passed and we thought we came up with a crazy idea. And this is before, you know, Kenneth was working for Yay. But we came up with a crazy idea. Why don't we just write a book? You know, nobody's written a book about all the many facets of the sneaker business. So that's when Sneaker Law was born. And, um, you know, it took us about four years to write. But we're here now and it's been an incredible journey. And, um, you know, currently, well, after, you know, Complex, I I went to a company called Undertone where I became the sole in-house counsel there. And now I'm at a company called Live Intent. Um, both Undertone and Live Intent are ad tech companies. Um, and I'm also the sole in-house counsel of Live Intent. I think your listeners will really benefit from knowing just like, even though Jared and I are years apart, like in experience and age, um, you know, we're equals when it comes to sneakers. We're equals mm-hmm. in terms of our passion. And, uh, you know, it's a, it's a great lesson for any students that might be listening out there that if you have something that you're excited about, put it out there. Like you never know how you might get discovered or who might discover you. Exactly. That's, that was something I wanted to hit on for sure. And, um, I got to ask who, who bought lunch that day? Was it Kenneth or Jared? <laughs> I think, I think we just met at like an all bone pan for coffee or something. <laughs> yeah. I, I, can't remember. I, yeah, I don't think we even got anything to be honest. Like <laughs> you guys I was were just, just talking like, too much. <laughs> I was like, hope they don't kick us out. Like We're just sitting down and we didn't order anything, you know? well that's that story is just super dope and obviously different backgrounds but kenneth you hit on something that i want to hit on a little bit uh for a little bit longer is the the ability to kind of put yourself out there and Uh jared for you to as an intern approach an editor at complex magazine that that takes that takes some nads right and say hey this is i this is my thought um let me know your thoughts like what was what was going through your head were you nervous when you were doing this or did you have the the utmost confidence that that welty was going to respond back like yeah let's do this i mean you know when i got the complex originally i mean i was getting i was going in there and you know i knew the, the history i know that you know like joe lapuma was an intern and you know, I, I, I know I knew, you know, all the alumni that Complex had and I knew that if I wanted to get where I wanted to go, you know, and originally I wanted to work at Complex, you know, coming out of school. But and that was that was going to happen. But, you know, there was a obviously, as you know, the huge M&A deal with Verizon and Harrison that kind of, you know, ruined my chances. But, um, you know, when I got there, I, it, fear doesn't get you anywhere. Like I remember it was my first week and I knocked on Joe Puma's door and I said, I wanted to introduce myself and I was just an intern, but I really didn't care. You know, I wanted them to know who I was and I wanted mm-hmm. to meet him. And, you know, if you're scared or, you know, timid, it's not going to really get you anywhere. So, I mean, I went to Matt confident and um, he ended up liking it. And then, you know, I got to write two more articles and it was really cool. And I did other things at complex. I mean, I pitched um, show ideas, which, you know, one of them actually went pretty far. I didn't end up getting picked up. But that was really cool. And um, this was all outside of my duties as a legal intern. 
So, I mean, you really can't be scared. And if you want to get where you want to get in life, man, you just got to take risks and put yourself out there, like you said. Yeah, also, you can't, sit, you can't sit at your desk and just do your job. Like, if you're in the building, you got to take advantage of all opportunities. Um, you know, it's something similar to what I did um, at, you know, at Yeezy. It was like, you know, I didn't just keep in my legal box. Like, I tried to make myself useful in many different ways. So, you know, that's a, another great lesson. Like, and then the other thing is like, don't be afraid to ask, like, what's the worst that can happen? They'd say no, right? You know, even, even with sneaker law, like we've been pitching this idea to many people on like talking to them about plugging us and, and articles and, and law schools and undergraduate schools about incorporating sneaker law. And like, you know, the worst thing that will happen is they'll say no, you know, but we're asking anyway, we're knocking down doors and, and, uh, and getting in some pretty cool spaces. When we when we talk about your, <laughs> I want to hit on this the the first day of law school. You guys both had similar experiences. Kenneth, what what you show yeah. up? What did you show up to law school wearing? Like, yeah, what was that? I mean, in in hindsight, it was probably a bad idea, but like, <laughs> I didn't have any other gear really. So I I walked into law school and I had a powder blue and Nietzsche tracksuit on. And I must have looked like an alien, bro. Like, like you know, I feel like everybody around me was wearing Doc Siders and Banana Republic or, or Gap, you know. And here I was in this bright blue. I must have looked like a, you know, a marshmallow. But um, I don't know, man. Like, you know, I just like streetwear and sneakers have always made me feel confident. And it's really, it's really hard to explain. It's like, you know, I've said this before, but when I put on a fresh pair of sneakers or a fresh, a fresh fit, like I feel like I can do anything. And so when I walked into law school, that was the vibe I was on, you know, maybe, maybe it wasn't the vibe they were on, but like, um, you know, I've, I've always tried to stay true to myself. So, you know, it, it wasn't long before I had to adjust my, my wardrobe just to, you know, take, you know, get interviews and, uh, and to fit in in law firms and things like that, which was a struggle for me, but I, I like wearing suits too. So it was all good, but like truly and passionately COVID fits are, are where it's at. Probably. <laughs> Jared, you had a similar experience? Yeah, I mean, I wish I had a side-by-side -side with Kenneth and I. I'm sure we looked <laughs> very similar. I mean, I didn't have the tracksuit going, but, I mean, I, I think I rock, like, a Bape hoodie, maybe, and my APCs and black cement threes and a new era fitted, I would imagine. I think that's probably what I rock. And, um, you know, that's, I, I, like Kenneth, I wore my streetwear and my sneakers to class, and some of the professors didn't look at, you know, look at it favorably. Um, you know, I got some comments, but now we have a book and we're teaching at these schools, so they can't say anything. Um, <laughs> and, you know, we really took that spirit when we wrote this book. I mean, you know, we really wanted it to be for, uh, you know, students like us and just people like us in general <clears throat> who um, have a passion and aren't afraid to show that passion. And I think we really um, conveyed that really well in the book. Let's talk about the book a little bit. So actually, let's talk about it as long as you guys want. I I truly think um, Kenneth said this uh, one of the times that we've talked and he said that it was a fusion of sneakers and law. But also, it's not just like it's if you pick up this book, it's not just a sneaker book. It's not the uh, it's not the Virgil Abloh book, coffee table book. It's something that you can flip through and learn every time that you're going through a chapter or anything like that. Where did this, where did this influence come from? So, so um, 
you know, I think Jared and I had a shared vision from the very beginning. We started talking about a book and like, you know, we knew that it had to be um, legal in some ways because we're, we're obviously lawyers, right? Like we bring something unique to the table that none of these other books do. Um, but as we started concepting the book, we decided that, you know, this book should be the sneaker Bible. Now, if anybody is in the music business or, or knows who Donald Passman is, like he wrote a book called All You Need to Know About the Music Business. And, uh, you know, we wanted to be that to the sneaker world, what, you know, Passman was to music. And I think we've achieved that, you know, like we, we, you can flip to any chapter and get a different facet of the business. And so while we call the book Sneaker Law, you know, that was really um, a play on our, on our legal textbooks that we, you know, used to buy when we went to law school, like these boring books that were just filled with information that, you know, was quite intimidating. So we call this book Sneaker Law, um, number one, to appeal to, to people um, who wanted to learn about the legal side, but number two, because um, we wanted to disrupt uh, sort of a, an age-old textbook format and turn it on its head. And, and, you know, so sneaker law is filled with business principles. It's filled with entrepreneurial principles that anybody should know, really, whether you're a sneakerhead or not. But it's taught through this really exciting lens of sneakers that is colorful, it's pictorial, it's visual, and, uh, and it's dope. And also, as Jared said before, like we write it in a way that I think people, you know, in the culture and in the game will understand. And, and, and that's, that's hard to do when you're talking about complex principles. When you're flipping through this book, you, it, it's something that like you, I think you just said this, it's, it's visually appealing and it's not something it, it, if I think about a textbook, if my professors told me, hey, Izzy, go buy this two to $300 textbook, I would buy it, open it up, and immediately just get massive anxiety because there's a whole bunch of words, no pictures, and I absolutely just, I hated the concept of having a textbook, knowing damn well that I needed it. Where did you guys find the, the obviously that you had a shared vision, but you partnered with someone that kind of made that vision come to life, right? Yeah, so we partnered with a Gen, Gen Z uh, marketing firm. They're called the Ronin. They're amazing. So anybody looking for any design or marketing work, you know, look them up. They're awesome. And um, they have a woman, uh, her name is Elle Park, and she actually did all of the layout design of the book. And, you know, when we first met with her, we shared our vision. You know, we wanted it to be an exciting textbook. We wanted to kind of reinvent the whole learning process, you know, we wanted it to be a thing where you don't even feel like you're learning. You're just going through the book and it's so exciting. It's like watching a movie. And at the end, you have all this information in your head that you can use, you know, for the rest of your life. And she just did an incredible job. I mean, there's about 400 pages. It's on art paper. So they're glossy pages. Uh, not that, you know, the, the um, that light paper, lightweight paper that's usually in textbooks. Um, we have about 400 full color images and that was a whole process in itself, clearing all those images. Yeah. Um, and, uh, just the way she did the fonts and the sizing and just the layout in general, it's just, it's amazing. And I'm not just hyping ourselves up. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you know, I think it's really something people have to experience for themselves. Yeah. And, 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 and definitely shout out to L. I mean, as being, uh, uh, first of all, so young and talented, um, but also a female, you know, like it's definitely um, the time for females in sneakers and design. And we're seeing, you know, a lot of 
a lot of amazing things come from women. So, you know, this being Women's History Month and, um, you know, it's a, it's a fitting time to, to cast a light on what she did. Um, you know, and, and as Jared said, like we gave her car blanche to do what she wanted. And it was a little bit stressful for us because we didn't know how it was going to turn out. But when she sent us the draft, we were just blown away. We were like, like I almost had a tear, like, because it was like our vision explicitly carried out. And, um, you know, I, I didn't, I didn't think it would be as dope as it turned out. And, and we're very happy with it. Yep. And like to also to just to, to go into the design some more, <laughs> again, we're, I'm not hyping ourselves up, but, um, <laughs> you know, just everything. No, but it's I mean, fire. It is yeah, fire. It's like, you know, we, we, we did the black and red color right after, after the OG one, the bread one. So it's black and red. There's a shoelace that's built in as the bookmark. So it's like, and we use a type of leatherette that wears over time like a sneaker. So it's like you're reading a Damn. sneaker. That's crazy. You know? Yeah, people have even told us when they open the box, it smelled like a pair of sneakers. Like, which is like, it wasn't that, planned, but that's yeah, that so dope. Yeah, that wasn't intentional, right? But <laughs> we'll take it. <laughs> that's super dope. What's a, so one of the topics that, one of the main topics that Sneaker Law covers is design. And you both covered the f- fact that if I if I wanted to design a sneaker today, I can design it, collaborate with New Balance and everything like that. But there's nothing that I know from Google or anything like that that would teach me the details of contracts and stuff like that. Why was that needed uh, from both of your perspectives? I mean, you know, I, I, I'll take this. I, I, I just think that like, and I've seen it just because of my many years in the game representing designers and working with creative people. It's like, I get that, you know, in order to be a creative people, you got to go all in on your craft. You have to be so good at what you do because, um, you know, creativity is like, it does, you know, it's a gift. It's a gift and it's something that also you have to work at regularly. But for somebody that's seen so many creative people struggle at, at various levels from like the lowest to the highest, um, you know, it was important for us to give this essential knowledge to them so at least they had some tools in their belt and they didn't get taken advantage of, right? Like we're, we're, we're trying to demystify um, what sneaker deals are. We're trying to demystify what the clauses are that are inc- in- included in them. And so, you know, for existing designers, they might not vibe with our design section because they already know everything that we've put in there. But when they get to the legal section, they're gonna be blown away. For people that wanna be designers, they might go to our design section and they might be like, yo, I never even knew that you, you had to go to this school to be a designer or, you know, you had to, um, you know, put a portfolio out or, you know, all these things like these little nuggets that seem, um, you know, sort of, uh, sort of self-explanatory, but, you know, for some people that don't have access to this knowledge, it's not, you know? Mm -hmm. And so we're trying to educate people that are not only consumers in the sneaker game to be participants in the business, but designers to be more educated about their rights whether it be intellectual property, their compensation, you know, their different leverage points when it comes to negotiating with their future employer or, um, you know, future uh, project that they're working on, whatever it is. And, I, you know, I, I attend this like weekly clubhouse about footwear design and it just boggles my mind how, how, how much um, people aren't discussing these things because creatives are like, oh, well, you know, we're kept in our little box and we're supposed to create, but, you know, why not learn these things? Why not be a little bit more empowered? Like if I need to know something extra, like I have to go out and get the information, um, you know, for some reason, creatives, 
they feel intimidated by that. We're trying to make that less intimidating. You know, um, one point I like to make is protection is just as important as, as creation. If you create something, it can be as the dopest design there ever was, but if you can't protect it and you let other people exploit it, then it's useless. And, um, you know, we, we teach how to protect, how to navigate through the industry legally and from a business perspective. So all of this is such valuable knowledge and, you know, creatives need to know it. Yeah. And people, and people that might be tripping about like, Oh, well, the book's a hundred dollars. Like, you know, one chapter is going to save you several thousand. Like yeah. it's, it's ridiculous. And, 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 you know, compared to the law books, like Jared said earlier, like we had to buy, like, this is a bargain and it's fly as hell. So you know. <laughs> exactly. Jared, what, obviously you've had, you had the experience in college of being a sneaker reseller. What's one thing from the book that you're like, damn, I wish I would have known that. Um, starting your own business and, um, you know, entity formation and, um, you know, what to do on that side of things. I mean, we actually use myself as an example throughout that chapter. I mean, I was a sole proprietor when I started reselling sneakers and I was just naive and didn't really know to create my own LLC or even consider a corporation. Um, you know, that could have helped me expand my business and, um, you know, grow. But, um, you know, I was a sole proprietor. I was doing it out of my college dorm. Um, but if I had those tools and I knew, you know, okay, an LLC is a viable option. Um, you know, I, I should file an LLC. I should create an operating agreement. Therefore, my liability is limited. Um, and I can start writing things off. I mean, if I had that information, it would have been super helpful. And I think, you know, I don't think I know a lot of resellers are in the same exact position where, you know, they have the opportunity to take it a step further and really expand and, um, you know, perhaps become the next Benjamin Kicks. Uh, hopefully, you know, doesn't he, they don't go to jail. But <laughs> I, mean, I was like, uh, whoa, he went there. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 no. I mean, maybe we'll have to edit that one out. But, uh, <laughs> But, you know, they don't they don't really even know, like, you know, to, to even do those types of things. So I think that's super important. And even, you know, something like creating your own trademark, like how do you follow your own trademark? You know, it's not always necessary. I mean, us as lawyers, we always say, hey, you know, go have a lawyer do it. But I mean, the information we provide in the book, you can really do it on your own and save hundreds of dollars in legal fees. Yeah. And, and we don't really. Yeah. And we don't really get too much into this in the book, but. You know, there's this whole bootleg culture that's out there right now, and I, I don't really like calling it bootleg culture because I believe they're creatives, they're creatives too, and they're creators uh, in their own right. But you know, um, maybe if they learn some of the things that we teach in our book, they are on, they'll be on a path to 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 being more legitimate and legitimizing their own sneaker company where they're actually making their own silhouettes and protecting their designs and you know. And, and, you know, and just the, the bootleg can be just the beginning of a very fruitful career in sneakers. I don't want to give too much of the floor to COVID, but how was the entire, like, how was the process of seeing this t come to life impacted at all? Yo, first <laughs> of all, first of all, this book would never would have been written if it wasn't for COVID. <laughs> like, you know, it's funny, one of my boys called me up and it was like, yo, you know, if you guys don't like it was sometime in like March of 2020, he was like, if you guys don't finish this book during the pandemic, you'll never finish it. 
And, uh, you know, that was sort of the kick in the ass that we really needed because um, Jared and I realized that we had a unique opportunity. Like we were both home all the time. I travel all the time, um, you know, and we both had day jobs. So we would log on in the evenings and just work, work our asses off. And, and uh, so number one, getting the book done um, was great because we were able to work on Zooms. Like Zoom was a new thing. Like everybody was cool with being on video conference. So we Zoomed and, and wrote together. Um, and then, you know, COVID was a big impact in terms of the delivery of the book. Like we've had pre-orders that we launched pre-orders in September and the book didn't ship till February, which was, you know, it was painful for us because a lot of that time was taken up with the printing and the, and the logistics delivery of all these books from, cause mm-hmm. we, we had the, we had physical books actually made in Bulgaria and then they were put on a boat to, to, to port of Newark in Jersey and uh, that process was so painful and frustrating. Um, we actually air shipped a, a bunch of books earlier and even those were delayed, like so frustrating. But, you know, it just lets you know that even to independently publish something and to do something on your own, like nothing's going to go according to plan, really. But if you believe in the product and if you believe in, you know, your end goal and your vision, then, you know, it's only time that gets in your way. And now it's here and we feel really good about the end product. I don't know if Jared has anything extra he wants to add to that, though. I mean, the crazy thing is we did all that work without ever seeing each other in person. Yeah. I mean, we we, we saw each other um, a few weeks ago because, um, as Kenneth mentioned, we had to airship some copies because, you know, our book was made, made required reading at Harvard Law School. And we needed to get those copies in the hands of the students. So we, uh, you know, I drove to his house. It was a big unboxing, the ultimate unboxing, <laughs> like 60 copies of the book. It was crazy. And it was the first time we saw each other um, in a year, in about a year. And it was just insane that we did all of that virtually. Yeah. Then we drove up to Harvard and we flexed in front of, uh, in front of the, uh, you know, the faculty author bookshelf with our book on the shelf. <laughs> it that's, was a dope moment for us. It was really, awesome. really special. So, you know, it was nice to to link up with Jared again, but yeah, bro, like we didn't even see each other during this whole process. And so like, there's really nothing that's standing in your way anymore. Um, if you want to get something done virtually, I, I believe. When we talk about books or authors, when they, most authors, when they publish, they go on a book tour, try to pr- promote the book. What are you guys doing in the future? Um, to kind of get out there with sneaker law and, and promote, not just promote the book, but promote, promote what's inside of it. I mean, another beautiful thing that's come with COVID. I mean, you know, I don't mean that to say all, you know, all the unfortunate, you know, stuff that's, that's occurred because of the virus, but just us being able to be virtual, um, you know, we're able to do a virtual book tour and we've been going to all these different schools and giving them a preview of the book and also teaching, you know, about the book and about sneaker law. And that wouldn't have been possible otherwise. I mean, you know, Kenneth and I, like Kenneth mentioned, we have our own jobs. You know, we can't be traveling all around, you know, making making stops. You know, we wouldn't have our main jobs anymore. <laughs> so the fact that we can just, you know, after the workday ends, hop on a Zoom call with a bunch of students and, you know, several schools, it's been amazing. And, you know, that's what we've been doing. And it's really been a tour. Like, you know, we have merch in connection with a lot of the schools. Like we're just reinventing the wheel and, uh, you know, we've been really excited about it, but you know, once things are back to normal, hopefully soon, um, I think we'll do some book signings and hopefully some in-person events. And we're actually going next week to the university of Miami law school to teach in person. 
the first um, full-length sneaker law course. Um, so we're really hyped about that to see people's uh, reactions live in person would be really cool, you know. Yeah, and, and, and just to follow up to that, um, you know, um, we're able to, to hop on with these schools and teach an hour-long lecture um, right from the comfort of our own home. And mm -hmm. the response from these students has been overwhelming. Like, I mean, you know, they've, they've been hitting us up after and saying, you know, that was the best class I've ever taken. And, you know, where can I buy the book? And like, just all these wonderful things. It's so, it's so beautiful. And so we know we're on to something that connects with people. Um, you know, but the point I wanted to make was that, um, you know, if you're listening and you're a student and you're going to school or, or even if you're out of high school, like hit us up, you know, because, um, we can, we can, we can show up for like a, like an hour long assembly or a half an hour long zoom or, you know, whatever it is and, uh, hopefully make an impact in your school. Um, and that's really what's important to us, like reaching as many people that want to learn and want to, want to learn in a different way, um, about sneakers. So, um, you know, we're taking advantage of, of being virtual and when things open up again, as Jared said, like then we'll do our second leg of the of the book tour in a, in a different way. I want to give uh, the floor to talking about education a little bit. You both have advanced degrees, and you're you're having these students come up to you and say, and with amazing feedback, talking about how this is the best class that they ever or course they've ever taken or anything like that. So. Where's the disconnect? Where where can we where can we help education as a whole kind of come together with like the culture and with the next generation of students? I'll just say this, you know, um, I come from a family of educators. Um, you know, both my parents have their PhDs. My brother has a terminal degree in art, and uh, they're all teachers, you know, and they all taught. And I was the only one. And it, I felt like when I went to, to work in a law firm, like I had gone to the dark side. Like that's how, <laughs> that's how, that's how my, my mom felt about it. Um, you know, but for me, education just never connected with me. Like it was just so, um, I don't know, like it was so, so distant and hard to grasp. Like, I guess there's no other word, but like academic, right? And like, I'm a very practical dude. Like I love getting my hands dirty. I love getting to work and getting busy in the, in, you know, on, on something that I can touch and feel. And, 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 uh, you know, so, so there were many classes that I've taken that maybe if they had connected with me in a different way, I would have benefited from, from, from the, the teachings a lot more. It's not to say that the teachers taught it wrong. It's just for me, it didn't, it didn't connect. And so, you know, the crazy thing about it is right now, like Jared and I are professors now, like this is just, this is bugged out, right? Like we're professors, but, we're teaching what we know and, and the way we know how to teach it. And it seems to be working. Right. And so I'm not saying that that education um, is wrong. I'm just saying that there may be a new way to reach a certain type of student who, like me, um, you know, was willing to learn. Obviously, I, you know, I completed a, I completed a JD. So it's not like I'm not I'm not capable of it. But had I been able to learn like this, I could have guaranteed you I would have been spending extra time in the library and going above and beyond to learn about my craft you know and I had to learn all this by trial by fire you know like and Jared too like there was no book for this there was no class on this mm -hmm. but now hopefully because there is students can take this in their own hands and run with it so we hope that in five years and ten years there's a whole new breed of people in the sneaker industry just because of 
a little light that we shined on on you know on the game from our knowledge i love that i'm i'm really excited to see what impact uh the the book has for future generations and not just the book but everything else that you guys are doing in conjunction with it and and there's gonna i mean don't worry there's gonna be a v2 a v3 a v4 like we already got the colorways picked out nice (laughs) (laughs) are we thinking uh are we still going along the theme of a jordan colorway are we thinking easy okay confidential confidential bro (laughs) if you sign sign an nba maybe we'll tell you well I I do have some some questions for from some students uh, for the both of you. Obviously, you both have some very extensive backgrounds. And one of the questions I have is if you can give advice to your 18 year old self, what would it be? I mean, for me, you know, just go for it. I mean, you never know what's going to happen. Like we were talking about before, who would have known that me trying to express my love for sneakers when I was on law review would turn into, you know, me going to complex and writing articles there. And then, you know, Kenneth seeing my articles, hitting me up, us becoming great friends and developing this crazy bond. And then us writing this book. I mean, really, you know, it's just go for it. If, if you have a dream, follow it. I mean, as cliche as it might sound, you know, if that wasn't the case, we wouldn't be here. We wouldn't be talking to you, Izzy. So, I mean, just believe in yourself and carve your own lane. Like this lane didn't exist. Like Kenneth was talking about, you know, we're carving our own lane right now and hopefully people will be able to follow and, you know, do amazing things with what we created. Um, But yeah, you know, it's just, you just got to believe in yourself and, um, you know, just do it. Like Nike would say. (laughs) For, for, For me, for me, I would say, you know, be yourself, be true to yourself. You know, I think, I, I was very clear about who I was when I was 18 and uh, I was very clear about what I loved. You know, I was very, very much a kid and very much ingrained in like computer games, video games, sneakers, um, like all the things that are part of culture today. Um, you know, and I wouldn't say I got lost along the way, but like life kind of took over and like, you know, I had before I knew it, I had student loans to pay off. I had this, I had that. And, uh, you know, I hustled to be a good lawyer, Um, but I woke up one day and I was like, yo, I'm not doing enough of what I love, enough of what I'm passionate about. And I need to and I need to hit the reset button or at least take all the skills I've learned up until now and find a way to put them into what I love. And so, you know, it took getting the energy of somebody young and, and and ambitious like Jared in my life, like to to reset that. And like it took a a new job to, to I left I left a law firm. And, and went to work at a at a like really dynamic place like Yeezy and um, and now like here I am you know in my mid 40s and like I feel like a kid again like so so um, you know hang on to what makes you passionate and and keep going at it you know and and success is not always driven by the amount of money you make or the m- number of likes you get um, it's driven by the amount of impact you make. Um, on people around you and, and, and yourself and your own fulfillment. The next question is something that's big. Uh, obviously, you guys have had um, a ton of success with sneaker law and in your careers, but a lot of people don't like to talk about the failures and how they've impacted. So the next question is, what was what has been your your biggest failure to date? This can be in life or in your professional life or personal life. And what, what did you learn from it? I can go. I know, I know very clearly. Um, so in 2009, 
um, right after the financial crisis, um, I was working at a law firm in Manhattan. I had a very comfortable living. Um, and then on um, the Friday before Valentine's Day, like a thousand lawyers nationwide were laid off from their from their jobs. And I was one of the casualties in my law firm. And at that time, like I was dumbfounded. I was like, oh, well, how, how could they lay me off? Like I'm, I'm like one of the top associates here. Um, but, you know, maybe I hadn't worked as hard um, leading up to that. Maybe, maybe I was too cocky. Um, whatever it was, um, I was laid off for a reason. And I started my own law firm from that point. And it was the hardest time to do it. Like I had just had a, I just had a baby. I had a six month old at home. Um, I was, uh, I was stressed out and I was freaking out, but you know, um, if I hadn't started my own law firm, then, um, I wouldn't have learned all that I know. Like I wouldn't have, like it took me to fall, falling on my face and picking myself back up to, to start. And like, you know, that process of, of becoming my own boss and running my own law firm, you know, really paved the way for all the entrepreneurial things that I got to do in life after that. And so if I didn't have that, um, that failure, if I didn't have that, um, that sort of knock me down moment, I don't think I'd be where I am today. And like, now I'm not afraid of risk at all. So like failures to me now are like just part of the journey. Like they don't mm -hmm. even matter. And I try to teach that to my kids. I'm like, there's nothing wrong with failure. Like how bad is failure at that age? Like, you know, um, imagine failing when you have a newborn at home and a mortgage and a wife, you know, and like, so, so, you know, if you can get through that, you can get through anything. And like, um, I think, I think failure is just part of the game. And so people should be less afraid of failure and, and, and embrace it. Yeah. For me, I've been thinking this whole time. I mean, you know, I want to bring it back to high school. So, you know, I was a big, big basketball player when I was little and, um, you know, I always was convincing myself, oh, I'm going to go to the NBA, but I was like a six, I'm six, four, but I was a center. So those dreams went to, you know, went to the trash uh, very quickly, but, you know, I wanted to play high school ball and um, freshman year got cut. Um, I was really disappointed. Um, and then if that wasn't enough, I tore my hamstring that same year of playing. Oh. So I was on the football team. So, um, you know, took me like six to eight months to rehab it and, you know, get back to somewhat normalcy. And then sophomore year comes around, got cut again. And that was JV too. So, you know, I wasn't proud of it. And at the time, I mean, as trivial as it might sound now at the time, like basketball was my life, you know, that's mm -hmm. what, all I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I just remember that right after that happening, every single day, day in and day out, just, you know, hitting the courts, no matter what, hitting the courts all day. I remember I did air alert. I don't know if any, if you guys know what that is, but it's like a, a implied metric system that makes you jump higher. Yeah. Um, because I definitely did not have hops. Uh, but before I knew it, I was throwing it down. Nothing crazy, but I was throwing it down. So it worked. Um, and, you know, I just went to all the open gyms, all, all you know, the, the practices uh, before, you know, tryouts started. And, um, you know, I just went in there and, uh, you know, after getting cut on the, from the JV team two years in a row, I made varsity junior year. And, um, you know, it was just really gratifying that hard work pays off. And, um, you know, I was a big contributor to the team. We did really, we did really well, um, almost, you know, got, went the distance in the state tourney, but, um, you know, I took that same, 
approach, you know, from that point on moving forward into my life, you know, something doesn't go your way. You just got to keep working, got to keep working. You know, when I didn't have my law review note published, just kept working, you know, then complex published it. You know, if I'm working on an agreement and something doesn't go my way, just keep working, put your head down and just get it done. And that's really, you know, how I operate in life. Uh, so it was a big pivotal moment for me and, you know, how I approach things. Yeah, and there were many things that didn't work out as planned for Jared and I when we made this book. But we, you know, we trusted in the process. And uh, overall, it's worked out better than we could have imagined. And none of this happens unless you start, right? Unless you start writing one page, unless you start writing one outline, unless you start writing one chapter. Like, you know, so if you don't take action, then nothing happens. And so you could be sitting around worried about failure your whole life, but never do anything. Right. So, you know, if you persevere and you push and then the other thing is like find somebody dope that that believes in your vision to do it with you, then it's much easier. Like, you know, I could have never done this on my own. Jared could have never done this on his own. And now today we're here because we pushed each other. There were like nights when we didn't even want to do this. And like he would hit me up and be like, yo, let's get on the Zoom or like I would hit him up and be like, Let's keep pushing. We got another chapter to go, you know, like, <laughs> so, um, you know, I don't think any of this would have been possible if we didn't ride for each other. That's dope. Yeah, facts. That's, that's super dope. And I, I really think that the, the bond that you, t- you both have built through this is something that will last way longer than the book, hopefully. Um, yeah, man. but I'm, I'm super excited to see what the future is, uh, for sneaker law. And I, I have to pose this question because there might be that one person that listens, gets through 46 minutes and 33 seconds and is still like, damn, should I buy this book? Why, why, what would you tell them to get them over the edge? You know, I think, I think, you know, if you're in this game and you have a desire to learn more, if you have a desire to do more um, and you're not sure where to look, you should buy this book. You know, like there's just, Mm-hmm. There's just so many people out there that are like, yo, I love sneakers, but I'm not sure how to get in the business. I love sneakers and I love flipping sneakers, but I'm not sure how to take it to the next level. Or like, how did they get that job here? Or like, how did, you know, how, how do I end up at, at Adidas or how do I end up at Under Armour or whatever it is? Like, you know, um, the purpose of this book is to open people's eyes to all the different aspects of the business. And maybe you can find a career in one of those aspects. And there really are so many like, you know, the only people that really get glorified are are the uh, the designers or maybe even the the athletes wearing the kicks. But there's so much more that goes into this business Mm -hmm. and it's a 90 billion dollar industry and it's not going anywhere anytime soon. It's getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And so if you want to learn about it and you want to get some knowledge to propel you in this business and to start a career in it, um, or even if you're in it already and you want to be better at it, then you should buy the book. Jared, do you have anything to tell? Yeah, I mean, you know, our book is really for everybody. I mean, we have, you know, parents and grandparents coming up to us, asking us questions about the sneaker industry, and we point them to our book, and they're just like, oh, you're just trying to sell us copies? Like, no, whatever you're asking us is in the book, and it would be, make an amazing <laughs> gift for your kids and grandkids. It's, it's really, you know, it's, it's for everybody, you know, it could be, it's for lawyers, it's for law students, it's for designers, resellers, distributors, manufacturers, hobbyists, high schoolers, any, high schoolers, just anyone who wants to learn about the sneaker business. We have something in our book book for you. 
And bro, my twelve year old is reading it right now, and he loves it. Yeah, it's it's crazy, and um, you know, it, it's also like we're teaching concepts, and we're using sneakers as the vehicle, but these concepts are applicable across so many different industries. You know, whether it's starting your own business, um, you know, the legal side of the business, um, you know, how to create a copyright, how to create a trademark, how to protect your intellectual property. You know, all of these things are entrepreneurial principles that will help you in any business. And it's just cool because it's about sneakers. But, you know, our book really can be for anyone. And, you know, we want people to know that um, when, when going into it. And, you know, we think that, you know, people will really enjoy it. And the feedback we've gotten so far has been amazing and people really are um, loving it. So, you know, we couldn't recommend it more. There's a lot of dope sneaker books out there and I have most of them. And, uh, you know, the thing that I've found is when I open them up, aside from learning more about, um, you know, certain sneaker models, Mm -hmm. I don't gain any value. Like there's nothing like, you know, a book should teach me how to do something or learn something new. and, you know, it's, it's, it's great to see Virgil's process in designing the 10. It's great to see um, the top sneakers of the year. It's like, but when it comes to being a part of this business and learning about this business, there really was nothing else before sneaker law. So, um, you know, that's why we wrote it. We started concepting this four years ago, and it still was something that wasn't filled. This void wasn't filled four years later. And so finally it's here. And, uh, you know, we're going to make sure that it's here to stay. I can't wait to see where we are a year from now, where we are five years from now, because obviously there's other iterations and everything like that down the line. But um, so when we talk uh, sneaker law, like if anybody does want to get involved, that wants to follow the journey, wants to buy the book or anything like that, where can people find you? So uh, they can follow us on all socials at, at sneaker law, S-N-K-R-L-A-W. Um, and then they can go to our website at sneakerlaw.com, um, you know, and, and, uh, and check us out. I mean, you know, we just got started a couple of weeks ago as our launch, so it's really early, but we've, we've had some great success so far. I think the, the dopest thing that we saw recently, we got, um, we got a message from Tiffany Beers, the co-creator of the Nike mag. And she was like, I wish this book was around 15 years ago when I was starting out in the business. And that just let us know that like, we did something that is relevant and makes sense and, and should have been here and it now is here. Like, so um, to, to get that kind of a, a co-sign from somebody like that is just so, so dope. And she's just one of the many people that have uh, interacted with our book and, and found it useful. And this is somebody that's been in the game for years. So, you know, um, really cool. That's super dope. Well, I appreciate you both jumping on the Strange on Purpose podcast, and I look forward to uh, seeing where Sneaker Law goes from here. Thank you. Thank you so much for having us. Yeah, thank you, man. This is amazing. Thank you for listening to the Strange on Purpose podcast. I literally would not be able to do anything without you listening. So it's been awesome to see all the different places that people are listening and everything like that. If you want to support, please check us out on Instagram or tell your friends to check out an episode. You listening today means the absolute world to me and I cannot thank you enough.